Welcome. It is the Ski Bum Podcast, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? It's been a long week. I'm glad we're podcasting. We're what are we on Friday, right? This is uh, another Friday rare. podcast. Yeah, these are rare, but I guess they're common now. I don't know. They're uh, they're not as rare as they used to be. Yeah, this is like the they're time kind of that we fun. have. Yeah, you know, it's it it just worked out that way that we're doing it on a Friday and then it's been a bit of a weird start to the ski season for us here on the East Coast. It was not looking so great, then looked great for a week and then not looking great again and been a bit touch and go, but you know, we have a little bit of a uh, discussion we're going to have about our season, how we're going to be kicking it off Big very soon. So, we're excited. Hopefully, you're already getting out there on the snow. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, untapped at skibumpodcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Got a shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Most stuff still on sale. Trying oh. to help you guys out. Holiday season. We're trying to push out some merch, spread the love, go there. Oh, got it. You got to get your merch. And... If you did not pre-order one of the Red Boots shirts, they are still available. I got a couple extras. Ooh, that's Those are very in very high demand. I decided, out of the kindness of my heart, to order a couple extras for those who may have forgotten, missed out. So I still have five more left. Extras. So I think that's going to have to be big next time at the Boston show if we go. That's going to be our it was, thing. It was a people pleaser. You know, I wish I would have had more at the moment because there's people that would have bought it there. Oh, yeah. If they we had it. But then you like have them go to the shop. They're like, I don't know how to do this. So, like They just kind of like forget about it. That's the whole use thing. The internet. I got to go home and do something. That's it. You know what we should? We should have actually had them had like the website on the phone ready to go. Have them just order it right there. Have some sort of like, you know, P point of sale device, something. But you know, well, next time we're setting up a little a little table. We're gonna have stuff for sale right there. That's Koozies, like the ladies, shirts, hats, the whole thing. The ladies with the um those ski backpacks for kids. Like the Yeah. I bought two of them from them because they had the point of sale ready to go, put it in, pre-order, send it through, good to go. Ready to go. That's the move. But do if you don't if you don't want to buy something, but you want to support us. <coughs> Patreon, patreon.com slash ski. We're on Patreon. You can, on there. you can subscribe and support us. We sure. Are. We have several tiers you can choose from to help us out. That would be awesome. We got to give some super secret, um, super secret like information on there. Yeah. We so, gotta, we gotta update some of the stuff you get. If you're in the hundred dollar a month club, that's, yeah. uh, that's the baller club. You know, yeah, anyone, it, anyone could do five bucks a month, but if you want to be, Ballin. If you sign up, I think we could do a chat before our podcast. You can be live, live audience as it happens. Yeah, you want to be a guest? You, you're an executive producer if you oh. do the hundred dollars a month. Exactly. That is the U.S. gold. Basically, that is the U.S. gold version of passes. If you're if you're a Patreon and you're giving us hundred bucks a month, that you are a U.S. gold member. We we can even make you like a little pass, a little gold. Totally can do that. Gold Mario and Brian on a pass. That'd be fabulousness. Who wouldn't want that, right? Oh, you, you go skiing, you have the gold, our gold pass. They'd be like, oh yeah, sir, you can cut the line. <laughs> yes, Man, that would be nice, right? That would, would be like nice. Free beer? Something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, also to YouTube. We're out there to YouTube. I don't know. Just look, Ski Bum Podcast. It. We're there. We're out there. It. 
You can but see us live. Not live, really. After the fact, once the podcast gets edited, alive. Up, when alive, we're alive, sort exactly. of in the metaverse, that'll be us. In the metaverse, that'll be weird. So, thank you again so much for listening, Mario. Let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. So my opera today was um, it's interesting. I got a big bike ride tomorrow. So Tour de uh, France. It's Tour de France. Um, it's actually nothing big, but you know, I'm doing it with my wife. She's actually going to do 30 miles with me tomorrow. And I'm wow. like, all right, that's good. It's, do you know how gonna... much she's going to complain in 30 miles? <laughs> I figured like, you know, normally, especially it being flat, I'd be trying to average like 20 plus miles an hour. I'm setting the standard at I want to average like maybe 15 to 12 miles an hour because it's been a nice leisurely ride. The weather's great down here. We're just gonna just gonna ride it out, right? And afterwards, it's a bike and beer event. So we start a Coppertail Brewing Company in Tampa and we end at Coppertail. And afterwards they have the whole fun, you know, music and you get some beers and you hang out like it's gonna be a fun event so i'm looking forward to it. it's actually my wife's birthday and she agrees oh, nice. to do this ride on her birthday so i'm like it's gonna be fun so very cool um, glad she didn't aggravate me too much and we didn't have a blowout tonight about how to use the internet because we night have is young. problems with our wi-fi so night is young <laughs> the night is young <laughs> <laughs> But um, this is like holiday time. So I'm getting ready like for gifts and stuff like that. And I'm I'm a big alcohol giver guy. I'm like, what's the easiest non-personal thing to give somebody yet personal enough that they're like, wow, I really appreciate that you gave me something that's this cool. And it's alcohol. Under so, 21 pajamas, over 21 alcohol. Or under 21 alcohol, over 21 <laughs> alcohol. That's that's what I go. Um, give this to your dad, kid. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. So I uh I went shopping and I was like, you know what? I'm shopping for myself too. Like I'm shopping for all this nice alcohol for people. Like, you know, here's some nice tequila for you and some nice whiskey for you. And I said, you know what? How about a, a gift that gives I gotta give back to myself. I gotta love myself before loving anybody else, right? Gotta fill your cup first. Exactly. And how am I gonna do that unless I oh, buy Lord. myself some bourbon? Oh. Boom. Look at the, you. Basil Hayden. Basil. This was in Costco. Look at that. Down in Costco, it's a uh, damn. It's a bigger bottle than I've seen in the. Is it a liter? In the regular store, no. I think it's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, seven hundred fifty milliliters. So this That's is like the normal size. Bottle, but I almost think like they're selling it the, the five hundred milliliter in the stores for like the same price now. <laughs> I don't really? know. That's. I think you're trying to find a deal that's. Where there isn't one. I don't know. I know it was a good deal, but I was like, I know bourbon's gone up a shitload in the last like five years. Like, that's all I know. Because when I started drinking bourbon, not that expensive. Now it's, you're setting back. You get a, you give a bottle of bourbon, people are like, damn, thanks a lot. That's nice. Well, let's be honest. We've been drinking bourbon for a while now. I mean, there was days I remember like how cheap, not cheap, cheap, but like Angel's Envy was like in the thirties. It was cheap. That's what in the fifties? Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Damn. Either we're getting old or bourbon's getting expensive. One or the other. But you remember Bullet when it came out? It was like, I remember getting a bottle of 26 bucks. Yeah. Now that same bottle is like what 40 bucks? Like it's probably 
on the lower end, people are like, oh, you mix with that. I'm like, it's 40 bucks. I'm not mixing shit with that. Yeah. It has to be in a plastic bottle at that point. So, jeez. So I got a little cubage going. I was drinking it neat before, and now I decided, let me cool things out, slow things down with little cubes. There you go. That's the move. Mm. Basil Hayden. That is a crowd pleaser right there. This is my first bourbon that I fell in love with. First one. You took me out. Went in Hoboken. We went uh, for some uh, just adult drinks, and we had Basil Hayden. I was like, all right, let's try it. I think we came back from whiskey tasting or just going to whiskey tasting. It was, it was back in the day when they had whiskey tasting. It was great. Simple times. Maybe we're in the zone for that. We did. I did a lot of wine tasting and a lot of whiskey tastings. Yeah, those were simpler times. That was fun yeah. stuff. A lot of fun. So I like Basil Hayden. It's uh, it's. I gotta say, this is the most loved bourbon by anybody. <laughs> by anyone. By anyone on this podcast right now. On this podcast, I like that they have a couple of different variations now that they're doing. They have yeah. the one, the uh, the toast. That one's actually really good. I haven't had that one. If you're feeling a little bit saucy and want to try something different, try uh, the toast. It's quite good. They're the are they the ones that had the ones aged in different barrels? They got a couple different iterations right now. Yeah, I think I had the um, they have like a dark rye too. That's really good. I had that one, but they're the I think it was Basil Hayden. And they had the one that was, shit, I forgot the name of it, but it's like in some other kind of cast that it was aged in. And I don't know. They're messing with everything these days. They, they diversifying their product offering. I had an orange flavored one. <laughs> Ooh, that's weird. No, that would be the next, the next step, right? Yeah, right. It's like bourbon and yogurt. <laughs> it was a New World one. Did they have the New World? Is that Basil Hayden? They had one that was a new, I think it was Basil Hayden. It was a new, new world, world order, and it was like bourbon. New order, new world order. So the toast I haven't had. Yeah, the toast is quite good. Oh yeah. They say make a Manhattan with a Basil Hayden. Yeah, I guess. I like Basil Hayden. Like... That is much better your Manhattan would trace, be. isn't it? Yeah. What was that? Think how much better your Manhattan would be if you used Basil Hayden. Mm, that's right? true. Yeah, indeed. Oh, so this is uh, Jim Beam. Okay. Isn't there like so, three or four distilleries that own all the the smaller operations? Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's kind of like beers. Like you think, oh yeah, and I like this little beer, and you're my like independent brewery. <laughs> yeah, that's owned by. <laughs> InBev or what? It's not yeah. even Budweiser, but it's just InBev or was it Molson Coors, the other big one? Yep. Labatt is another one, right? Labatt and something else. Was it Labatt's? Uh, I think I bought up too. I haven't had a Labatt in a long time. Nor should you. Labatt Brewing Company. Ah, InBev. See? There you go. See, it's just a matter of time. They they get all bought up and there's like three companies owning them all. Yep. If you do a search on the internet, I did find a, it was either like a relationship diagram or a context diagram. And it was really cool because it was like, oh, great. And you have all these brands here and this big, like, you know, this big the circle mothership. around them. They're all part of this. And then, you know, this circle, like 
overlaps this circle, then pretty soon they're all part of this one big circle and that's InBev. And then you have like Molson Coors owns all these other brands and it's not even beer. It's like the seltzers and wine and who's the other one? White Star is another one, right? Hmm, I think so. I think White Star is, um, isn't that uh, Heineken? I think it's a distributor, but they own a bunch of stuff. Hmm. White Star Brewing. Huh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Hmm. All I know is it trees up to like three different companies. Like, damn, I didn't know that. I thought that I was drinking a craft beer. Yeah, that's how it goes. So I've decided to go in a bit of a, a different direction. So interestingly enough, if you listen to our interview with Mike Chait from JPEAK, I was drinking this during that interview because when I met Mike, it was at a Ski Vermont event and one of the sponsors was Bar Hill Reserve, which is a distillery up in Vermont. Nice. And we're talking about a, a particular liquor that I'd never heard of. And I think the conversation with Mike started as we were like, oh, I'm like, what is, what is this? He's like, oh, it's the, oh, he was giving me a description. I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. I got to try it. So for the interview with him, I wanted to make sure I had it as a, because, you know, some people say like, when you talk to someone the first time, like, oh man, I'm going to check that out and blah, blah, blah. And to me, I hate it when people say that and don't do it. I'm a man of action. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I promised him. I didn't promise him. I just wanted to, I wanted to show him that I was appreciative of the time he took to explain it to me. And that I was valuing his information and was going to try it. So I did that, found it. I think we talked about it once. So here it is. Bar Hill Tomcat Gin. Nice. Tomcat Gin. So you're going... Tomcat. It's gin, but why is it brown? It's not white like the gin on like Tangeray. No, this is different. You know why? Because here's the story. It begins at Bar Hill with a distiller and a beekeeper working together in one of the most beautiful agricultural places on earth, northern Vermont. Ryan and Todd perfected the use of raw honey in their distillery, capturing the countless botanicals a honeybee forages into their spirits. The honey would always be kept raw to retain the character of the land that inspired them. So Tomcat Gin is an expedition in search of a bolder expression. The robust character of the new American oak barrels mingles with the coniferous quality of the juniper yielding an enticing aroma. Mm. Read that. A touch, of raw, a touch of raw honey leaves the revolutionary spirits remarkably approachable, whether drinking neat or in a cocktail. Hmm. So this Tomcat is interesting because it is gin, but it is then aged in new American oak barrels like you would age a bourbon. Wow. Apparently it's a prohibition drink. And one thing you get here, like you get the juniper in the gin, you get the honey too, which is kind of crazy. Nice. 
and you get kind of a lemony citrus flavor. So it almost tastes like a gin cocktail, but it's just just gin. It's the gin that's been barrel aged. It's got a really cool flavor. And if you like honey and you like gin, like this is a this is a really tasty beverage just on its own. I think I gotta try that out because um I love gin. I used to hate gin and then I was a gin lover. And now I'm like, I could just drink gin and gin and club. I'm good with that. If you got a Venn diagram, you got gin here and you got bourbon here. It's like a nice cross section with Tomcat in the middle there. So Dude, gin and bourbon, just mix it. Gerbin. Gerbin. It's Gerbin. <laughs> Gerbin. I, so I, just, I just popped in the chat the uh, what I was talking about. I did find the, um, the diagram. And it's the five companies that control the world's beer. Man, good old visual capitalist. They make some nice stuff. But look at that. It's like InBev owns all that crap. So Heineken is one of the big ones. And they own, I didn't realize, Heineken, Tecate is another big one. Um, Tiger out of Singapore. Am- Amstel, Dos Equis. Like, Dos Equis has taken over every ski area. At least Killington, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So Red Stripe, hooray beer. That's freaking Hackup Shore. Hackup Shore, I thought was original German beer. Hackup Shore sold and they're out. Owned baby. by a Dutch company. Sold out to Heineken. Yep. Lagunitas. That's Heineken. Yep. So it's very interesting to see. You're like, holy crap! You know, you think. Oh, like, I thought Keystone Ice was independent. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a little thing, Kona. Who knew it was part of InBev, right? Goose Island, Elysian. Breckenridge Brewery, all Breckenridge the sellers. Brewery. Yep. yep. Red Hook. Yep. Stella. Gross. They're all part of Bass. I love Bass. Have you ever had Kalimis? Kalims? Whatever it is. Kalimis. I think it's Argentinian. I don't think so. That's part of them. Hmm. So it's Peroni. I love Peroni. And small doses. So some of them got sold though, like Lining Kugel and Blue Moon. They got sold to Molson Coors. Yeah, and you think they're they're still separate? They're they're fighting the battle. No, they they caved. They sold out. We don't do the same thing. They took their Unilever plaque at the end of the freaking Ben and Jerry's tour. That's when it hit you. You're like, damn it, it's all a show. It's all a show. We get to the end of Ben and Jerry's tour, thinking we're in Vermont, having some cool, funky Ben and Jerry's, and then we see the big Unilever plaque, like. Damn it. Supposed to be some guy getting high, milking the cow. Like that's the guy making getting the milk and the cream right. for my ice cream. Yeah. A freaking nope. high Vermont um freaking um Willy Wonka. That's what we expected. And we got an a Unilever plaque. That's it. That's it. That's it. End of the tour. Fuck out. Go to the gift shop. Yeah, since it is, you know, the holiday season, it's like the the Charlie Brown Christmas special. He's like, my own dog, gone commercial. <laughs> yep. And then you're still sizing up how to eat the Vermonster. I'm like, you realize that's Unilever Vermonster. It's not Vermont Vermonster anymore. It's yeah. <laughs> the, high fructose the, corn syrup Vermonster the, now. The Unilever Unilever Yeah. How about like the? How about a company that just makes everything with all the stuff you're not supposed to? We use red dye number five. We freaking or three, whatever it was, the poisonous one. We use. High fructose corn syrup, just whatever, just throw it on there. Do that to every company. That's like most companies using all that crap. Oh, yeah. Cheap and easy. Cheap and easy. Well, speaking of not cheap and easy. Let's go to ski news. Oh, 
but not cheap and easy. I'll, I'll start it off. Start us off. We're talking about Vail. So Vail Resorts is saying they, they report a 2023 fiscal quarter and season res, uh, pass results. So the passes that they pre-sold, essentially, right? They're saying guidance for that. And they, I love when they, they, they report EBITDA. So what is it? Um, Earnings before interest, taxes, and what's the A? And duh. EBITDA. <laughs> EBITDA. But if you actually dig into it, it's kind of a little bit of a made-up number. It's a, it's a waiting. Amortization. Based, it's a waiting based on your, yeah, what was it? Amortization. Amortization, right. So it's a waiting based on your own scale of stuff. Like it's, it's very interesting how they do it and they promote it and they send it out there like, yeah, we have the report of EBITDA. And it's like, you know, you could manipulate that number. So it's just very interesting. So earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And ah, there we go. There you go. Um, I actually had a CFO explain that and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to remember that. So that's why I just know you EBITDA's. handle the money. That's right. I'm like, I know EBITDA is the made up number. So tell me whatever it is. Just <laughs> as long as you preface it by EBITDA, I'm like, I'm taking this with a grain of salt. Um, so highlights, they're, highlights they're saying net loss attributed to Vail Resorts was $137 million for the first quarter compared to less uh, a net loss attributed to Vail Resorts, uh, $139 million of the same period in the prior year. So they had less of a loss, which I don't know how they have a, a net loss. Hey, there's big salaries to pay. Very weird. Don't forget that. And of course, they have to do this whole kind of reporting because they're public companies. So this is the kind of crap they got to spin out and turn out every quarter and every year for the whole fiscal highlight because they have to be fiduciary responsible for everybody's money that invests in them. So even if the skiing sucks, the profits have to be best. That's what they care about. That's the most important thing to them. Exactly. Not the fun factor. Remember that. The earnings factor. Yes. All about the earnings. So interestingly, um, so they sold 2.3 million Epic Pass products for the 2022-2023 yeah. season. Now this is up until October 31st. That's when they're quarter passes. But it's actually down 12% over last year. Huh. Because so remember they because they were so cheap last year. That's why. Mm. But People are filling that gap with something. So what do you think they're filling the gap with? Did they even say it in here? Like I'm looking through and I'm like, I don't see what they're attributing that to. What do you mean? Like, like a lot of times they'll explain like, oh yeah, we, we had a loss in the sale of passes attributed to blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know if they attributed that. To well, anything. yeah. It's to them raising the price because they, you know, when we were in the middle of COVID for the 2021, 2022, they they slashed the price like I think like was it forty percent or thirty percent they made it so much cheaper so uh, people jumped on that of course so they're not make they were making less profit per pass that with that but they were saying too even though it is down twelve percent it's still an increase of six percent on the same period as last year and thirty nine percent over the last two years and fifty five percent over the last three years wow. So it is still going up. Yeah, there's a lot of COVID-19 references in here. It's, it's funny. Like 
COVID-19 is going to be used like as a scapegoat for at least 10 years after COVID. Until COVID-2023 comes out. <laughs> exactly. It's a new one to use. Yeah. And then you're like, fears of COVID-19 or COVID-19, you know, reaction or, you know, bounce back after COVID-19. Like they're going to be using this for a while. So, but it's crazy too, to look at this. So they, the net revenue was 274 million, but their net loss was 137 million compared to 139 the previous year. Hmm. Ski school revenue was up 506% to 8.9 million. Damn. Dining revenue was up fifty five percent somehow. Yeah, Retail was up forty two. COVID, everything was closed during COVID, right? Yeah. So those easy numbers. Yeah, it's true. And here's the crazy thing: they have one point two billion in cash on hand. That's big. So they lost one hundred and thirty seven million dollars, but they still have one point two billion. That's right. See, that is clever accounting. This is why you always pay for an accountant because they're able to figure stuff out. And make sure you have more money at the end than you did when you started. We lost money, but we have cash on hand. Like deductions and you know, like how does that happen? So if you if if you're not as profitable, how do you keep having more cash on hand? Like it's selling a lot of sweatshirts. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But yeah, they cite COVID nineteen for related limitations for lodging, for resort lodging segments, total performance. Like it's, it's funny, like it's peppered throughout here and I'm sure everybody's doing the same thing. And yeah, a lot of people are, are gonna, you know, announce great results or they did announce great results as, you know, compared to COVID time. And now is when we're seeing a, a, a big beating in the markets right now because yeah. of uh, the correction is what they're saying, but yeah, some industries made a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how this season turns out for them. And, you know, I'm sure they sold more passes in November. Because, again, this this quarter reporting ended October 31st. So, uh, you know, they got a lot of money to spend, too. But that's the thing, too. Like, I don't know how the accounting works, but they've spent a lot of money on capital improvements. And I, I don't know how they're able to take those deductions in a way to make it seem like a loss. Like, if you have to front the money for a new lift. Yeah. These, these reports are interesting though, because they put a lot into it. There's a lot of spin. There's a lot of like embellishment, like within it. Right. So they give these boring ass numbers at the front of it. And then if you're still reading, you get into, Oh, the company's planning to introduce a new technology that's going to allow guests to uh, store their past product on the lift ticket directly on their phone and scan it. The lifts hands free. That's great. You know, they're going to do this. They're going to do it. doesn't mean they did it. They're gonna, mm-hmm. you know, so they kind of, you know, put stuff out there. So it actually gleans some insights into maybe what's coming at some of these resorts. Um, it's just interesting. See, this is the earnings call, right? The Yeah, that was the recent yeah. earnings call. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sat on one of these? I've sat on a bunch I've, of these. Yeah, I've tried. And they're weird and creepy, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, everybody, we're going to get ready to... and. They mute everybody and they just talk. And it's like, okay, I'm waiting for like the orange juice report out of this. Frozen concentrated orange juice. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. They're like, and here's the earnings report. And, you know, people are waiting to trade on it yep. as they're giving it. Yeah. And their stock price these days, I mean, everything's taking a beating. <laughs> Excuse me. 
their uh, their stock price is actually at two hundred and fifty eight dollars right now, hmm. which is down from three hundred and twenty one dollars a year ago, but up from two hundred and fifteen back in the beginning of November. So, wow, up two hundred percent, Yago, right? All those little acronyms they use year ago. <laughs> All right. So next up, here's a cool, positive, happy story. Oh. So the new Thunder Lift is opening at Jackson Hole. So this is going to come out Monday, the 12th. So it will already have commenced operations, but they're going to have a formal ribbon cutting on the 17th of December. Boom. Yeah, this is a big deal because this is... And I remember when we were there, I'm trying to find my... I can't... It's just out of my vision right now the jackson hole trail map map. that i have up there but i remember that section like we we lapped that area that was like that's such an awesome area on the mountain that was the area where like yeah everybody's saying this lift sucks but you know what nobody was on it and we just kept lapping it it was great yeah we just kept lapping it it was so much fun there's bumps there's trees it was a fun for the whole family yeah, so they're going to have a big ribbon cutting on the 17th. And I just, I wrote down a couple of notes about the, um, about that particular lift. So the original chair opened in 1970. And they said they actually needed to lengthen the chair after they launched because of how much snow they had. So they had to kind of, you know, make it taller because of all the snow. And it's just one of those things like there's great groomers, there's tons of like pillows. You know, people who are in the know up there, like that's where they have their secret powder stashes is usually up there. And in the video, we'll what the link in the show notes on the, the, the Jackson Hole website, it has like Jim Ryan. He's like, dude, he's like, where else can you get like an inbounds couloir? Like, uh, it's like that's just oh, how insane the runs are. Off I just sent you an unofficial networks thing and they have a, a diagram on it if you want to. Let's put that in the chat. Let's take a look. Fire it up. Uh, I just remember when we were hitting that, it was, that was the funny thing because we were with Harry at the time and Harry's a a pretty good snowboarder and we're just like jumping, we're doing a bunch of bumps and stuff and we're like, holy crap, Harry's keeping up with us. Like, (laughs) it's not fun for him on a snowboard, but he was having fun. Yeah, he ripped. That's when we knew Harry has been. Yeah, ride time has been cut down from seven minutes to 3.6 minutes to ascend the 1,466 feet of vertical. So it says this one, so this one says the original was installed in 1994, but that's from unofficial. That's an unofficial result because the video on Jackson Hole's website said 1970. Maybe Hmm. got an upgrade in 1994, but you're out there. Do yourself a favor, check it out. It is an awesome lift and it's going to be super fun. And hopefully you guys, uh, we can get out there at some point in the very near future because Jackson hole is an absolute it's a gem. amazing spot to ski. I gotta say, so is that on your list of return places that you have to go back to? A hundred percent. Cause it's on mine. I'm just wondering like when, when I'm going. Cause yeah. Hundred percent. One of the best spots. You can do Corbett's if you go back. Double backflip in. 
<laughs> They'll backflip in. We don't see how you land, and we have the yeah. memorial tribute to Brian afterwards. That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna make my own memorial. Take it. Roll some video. Roll some beautiful footage right here. He died doing what he loved. That's right. Right. Uh all right. We're going back into the um to the dark side of the mountain here. Uh, German skiing pioneer Klaus Obermeier celebrates his 100th year of skiing. Uh, How's that the dark side? Thing. It's a good side. He's 103. So I was reading this article and we were talking about it before. I'm like, damn. So he's 100th year of skiing. So he's skiing at three years old, I guess, right? And he's still skiing at 103 damn years old. How so badass is that? He's got old old uh like pictures on this article in black and white. They didn't even have color. Like <laughs> think about that. Like they didn't have um computers, they didn't have like think about that time 100 years ago, right? No computers, maybe records, right? And that's about it. That was your entertainment. Go out and hang mm-hmm. out. So when he first started skiing, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, 1922. Think about what a skit. That's Roaring Twenties, right? So they had good music. They had people going out. That was like the original Hot Tub Time Machine without any crazy stuff going on. Like you can get on the mountain, you're lost. Like there's nobody out there. Now there's people like... Think how much a lift ticket must have cost back then too. Especially... Cost a nickel. In Germany. (laughs) This is even before like the beer hall putsch. Like Hitler wasn't even in power when... Klaus Obermeier started skiing. Dude, they have the, the Deutschmark isn't even around anymore. And this was Deutschmark times, right? It was the Weimar Republic back then. Yeah, before the Deutschmark. Before which isn't even around. The Reichsmark they had back then. Then the Deutschmark. Then the Deutschmark. Yeah. Crazy. That's so awesome. Oh, he they got first, a photo of him turning a hundred with his cake. Yeah. I love he that. first started skiing in 1922 as a youth in the German village of Oberstaufen. Oberstaufen. First skis were constructed from chestnut wood planks taken from a crate his father used to buy oranges in nearby Italy. Which he then bent that. and tied to his knees with strings to create tips and nailed his buckle house shoes to. So wow. think about this. You're bitching about the non-shaped skis that you have, the camber, the width, all this bitching and belly aching. You know what you should do? Take that damn crate that your dad bought oranges in, shape that into some skis, bend them, fold them, and then lash your feet to them and slide down the mountain. There you go. You want to be baller? That's baller to me. Just saying. I just, uh, I find it. Not making any accusations there, Klaus. Okay. Who talks about he finally remembers skiing. He won four championships, slalom, downhill, cross country, and jumping in the 30s. Then it said Klaus grew up skinning up the mountains to get his turns as chairlifts were nowhere to be found in his village. And then it's like, well, in 1947, he moved to Aspen. It's like, what happened to like the late 30s, early to mid 40s? Cocaine happened. That's what happened. Uh, well, uh, you know, again, no accusations. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Listen, I don't know if Klaus had some sort of patriotic duty to perform as a German citizen at that time. 
We're not asking yeah. too many questions. All we know is Klaus ended up in Aspen in 1947. <laughs> Am I right? So, Am I right? It is. So I sent the uh, his hundredth year birthday. Um, Snowbrains has. I sent you the uh, the article for it, and he's got his cake. Yeah, that I saw looks the like the there. cake that you like, the carpet cake with the berries on top. Oh, love it! Looks delicious. Live like Klaus. I love it, man. That is a cake. Guy's my damn idol. Look how happy Simple he is. This berries. is what happens when you go skiing all the time. This is happy. He's truly a fountain of youth. He's like, everybody in this room, my father. He's just like, what's, what's Klaus? That's what he does, man. Not one single DUI or rape <laughs> accusation. People in uh, skiing don't get those. That's like football thing. Oh, you got a cliff. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, no. she should have listened and she went off the cliff. <laughs> if they're a little mouthy, they go off a cliff. Hey, that's that's just, my MO. It's like just being saying. on a, they're like a cruise ship director. You know, it's just like, ah, you know, it's kind of they got an argument and she ran off and there was like, you know, turbulence or like a wave hit or something. And turbulence. You're on goes. a boat. Yeah, yeah. It's a boat turbulence. Everyone knows boat turbulence <laughs> is, a, is a real problem these days. But because of climate change, we're getting boat turbulence. Like that's how bad it's getting. <laughs> and Greta told us about boat turbulence. <laughs> and again, you're either at Hunter or Mountain Creek, right? There you go. <laughs> Bada bing, bada bang, fell off the mountain. I don't know what happened to her. That chick, that broad is gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Klaus, just again, always smiling, happy guy, still skiing. I mean, what more could you want out of life? I want to know what kind of cake that is. Now I'm hungry. I want some of that cake. Looks it like looks berries like berries and nice. I don't know. It looks like a very like Austrian German, like a cookie cake almost, like a like a linzer tart, mm. like a giant linzer tart. But think of that versus like a freaking Duncan Highest. Like here you have berries and butter and like real stuff. Like berries, butter, and dough. Duncan so, Hines isn't even that that bad. I've actually made a pledge that I will not eat anything that's not homemade anymore. Like if you if you go to a I go to like a Duncan event, Hines homemade. Well, it's it's, it's kind of homemade. It's semi-homemade. definitely on the fence. It's it's like that. What was that chick on the Food Network? The semi homemade. Sandra Lee. Sandra Lee, semi homemade. Cuomo, the uh, the liar. Did the she marry Cuomo? Cuomo? Really? She married Andrew Cuomo and then divorced him after a year because she found out like, oh, this guy. He was a scumbag. Shocker. <laughs> but no, think about everybody it. else, but her is what the problem was. If if I'm not getting like if if, if this is like if it's a fancy bakery, I'll eat it. But I've just I've got the point in my life. Where I'm like, if you bring me some sort of like AMP shoprite, like bakery, like a ghetto cake like that, I'm not even wasting my time. I want homemade. So we're having a dinner party tomorrow. Homemade. I actually said to people, I'm like, I like homemade tiramisu. I'm gonna judge everybody based so on if they bring the, me that. Oh, this is the best tiramisu bakery in town. I went and I got it. You gonna you have to get it homemade. And throw it right in the garbage. You're like Here, homemade, here's what I right in the trash. Do it again. (laughs) I've made tiramisu, I think, once or twice, and it is a pain in the ass. But you know what? Come to my house. I want to show a little, I want a little respect to be shown. I want you to make a homemade goddamn tiramisu. You know what? I'll let you buy the lady fingers. You can buy the lady fingers. I'm not going to make you make them homemade. Nobody buys the lady fingers. Nobody makes lady fingers. 
everything else i want homemade i want you to separate the eggs i want you to make the different because you got to like separate the yolks and the whites and you got to like beat them both separately it's with sugar the hardest thing pull in the them world. together it's yeah. not but you know what the hard it thing is, is find, find the what is it the mascarpone effort mascarpone you got to find Wegmans, the mascarpone that's Wegmans, the whole foods go to a, go to have it now you're coming to my house you're coming to my house i got my beef house. tenderloin waiting for you and you're gonna bring me a whole a, a ghetto ass tiramisu i want homemade Find the Mars Capone. You could, you, you know what? You can go online and find some Bellevisendia, you know, snoop shoes for $2,000. You can't find Mars Capone. You can't find Mars Capone. You're telling me? Balenciaga are not homemade. Those are factory made now. They're made in Satan's asshole. Kids. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Find the Mars Capone. It's called effort. You get, you get the internet. You have a tool. You have, you have more computing power than NASA did. You can find Mars Capone. Yeah. But you know what you're gonna get? There's no butts. Stop that with the butts. You're gonna get. This is the finest Italian bakery ever, and this is the best tiramisu this side of the Hudson. And you're like, show you're me the have to slap it out of their hand. I want to see like, the pastry chef. I want to see it. Yeah, homemade baby. Like last weekend, my wife's family they do a cookie. Oh, you're gonna get Carlos. Is what you're gonna get? Fucking Carlos Bakery. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. My wife's family, they did cookie day last weekend. So all, all right. the all the ladies got together. Cookie like exchange? Cousins. No, not no. They they do all their baking for Christmas that day. Oh, so they don't pre-bake and then get together and do the cookie exchange? No, there was like I think probably between eight and twelve of them. And they brought all the they brought the ruckus. Like they brought all their ingredients. That's nice. They baked like all that. day. We hung out and drank and watched football and they baked. And ate cookies. Did you eat cookies? <laughs> I'll do my wife made the pignoli cookies. Nice. Again, from scratch. She had the marzipan, the pine nuts. She made it from scratch. What a difference. So I had a boss and she was great. She actually gave me a great reference to get my job now. And she's in North Carolina. She made the, she was a great baker. And I was like, I don't know how you do it. I don't want to know, but she would bake like crazy. She had three boys that she would just bake for. That's what she did. She just baked the shit out of stuff. Could she cook? She was all right, but she said baking was a thing. So she'd bring stuff in. I'm like, I want to make sure I'm there early to get the first dibs on whatever she baked. And she used to make pignoli cookies. And then one year she goes to Costco. They have no damn pine nuts. The hell happens. That's right. Supply chain. She made it with damn walnuts, like a ghetto queen. I was like, you know what? They were still damn good. Supply chain, bro. But I was like, whatever. Supply chain. Supply chain. That was way back, way back in the day. Pine nut shortage. Be fancy. Bring some real desserts. Make some effort. That time of year. Show people that you value going to their house. You bring something nice. You don't just go and stop and get some crappy shop right thing. Make but then nice. again, if they're a shitty baker, they're like, look, I'm going to go buy whatever nice bakery. You can't follow instructions. <laughs> like, I just like, I think so low of people who can't like, cook. Like, it's like, it isn't that goddamn hard. Like you can watch you just videos. Try. You just got to keep trying. It's yeah. called making effort. Yeah. We are, at a, we are at an effort crisis in this country right now. People don't want to make any goddamn effort. They want things right. handed to them. I'm How just going to go on DoorDash. How are you on Boxing? Pro I'm going to go on Uber Eats. Uh, I'm just going to, where's my food? Uh, it's going to take 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, <laughs> go to the store, buy a goddamn steak. It'll take you 10 minutes to cook it. You know what I love? God. When people are like, I'm going to order Uber Eats. And it's like, it's going to be here in 45 minutes. I'm like, you know, you can walk next door and get it in 10, like, yeah. and be back home. Like, no, nah, but I'd rather sit on my fat ass and wait for it. 
I don't there know. You go. How there about you go. a box cake, though? Fuck your box cake. I don't want it. Keep it out of my house. How about... No, so I've done no. this pretty okay. often. They do the two buy one, get one free, and they have the Duncan Hines, and I get the brownies. Those you brownies know, are damn good. Brownies, it's... it's get the blondie brownies. I get the walnut brownie. Like it, if and you the go brownies, brownies, you got to oh. go gear deli. But I will tell you, I really like the Kodiak cake brownies. Protein Kodi- brownies, bro. Kodiak okay. cake's pretty solid. All we make in this house from now on, since we found Kodiak cakes probably like two, three years ago, is just Kodiak cake pancakes. That's it. Have you tried the Kodiak cake brownies? They have not. They are awesome. They're not yeah. overly sweet. They're really good. I like that. Big fan. Uh, protein. It's like a protein bar. Kind of. Yeah. Well, speaking of delicious, there's an article this past week called Taking Back the Mountains. Oh. New York Times. And it talked about, you know, obviously what's going on in the, the ski world. It talked about Mount Sunapee originally. And <coughs> excuse me. It talked about that. It said Chris Sununu ran the ski area. Hmm. I didn't think he ran Sunapee. I know his family owns Waterville Valley. Um, that was kind of interesting. And for a little while, no. I, I, I guess so. I didn't even realize that. Did Brittany Griner ever ski there? Probably. And of course, I talked her about on the uh, on the side there on the sidebar. We talked about climate change, shortening the ski season, wreaking havoc on infrastructure, blah blah blah. And it goes on to talk about <clears throat> different kind of passes. And one of the interesting facts about uh, you know, talk about Avic Pass originally, how many they sold? You know, two point three million passes. It mentioned that Stevens Pass in Washington. 46,000 people signed a petition saying they were disgusted with the management of the ski area. Damn. Failure to treat employees well. <coughs> Excuse me. Pay livable wage. And the failure to deliver a product that they paid for. <coughs> what do you do with a petition like that, right? So employees sign a petition. They hate their boss. They hate the way you're running everything. Like, what do you do? Like, so they present that to you. There's a bunch of signatures on there and you're looking at it going like, I really am not going to do anything with this, but thank you for your effort. Like, what do you do with that? That's a tough one. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, also too, it's a lot of like spoiled brats. Like this is not what we wanted, but I also get, you know, the way that they just want to sell those passes to get as many people on the mountain. It's, it's It's like a product. If you own a product and like our our podcast, right? We have people that write to us, haters, and they're like, oh, you're, you know, Infowars and you're this and you're that. And you're a bunch of douchebags and you don't like you, whatever. You're not wrong. And, you know, most of what we get are people that hate us. But the people that like us, they just listen. They, you know, go their mild up. way and they just kind of keep showing up. And they're the they're the gold pass holders in my mind. Right. So. Yeah. All you hear about is from the squeaky wheels that like to make a lot of noise and that's it. So you want to sign a petition, go right ahead. I mean, yeah, I don't know what that actually did, uh, but they also talked about how it's still Vermont. You know, this author is a Northeast skier. He said on a powder day last winter, I sat for 45 minutes in miles long traffic jam on the two lane mountain road while trying to reach Stowe mountain resort. Damn. I gave up and went backcountry skiing instead. Look at that. 
Yeah. Clinic goes on to talk, talks about Vale. And then it said, uh, you know, (coughs) geez, choking here. Um, They mentioned opting out and talking about a basin, which Mm. if you don't know, a basin is one of the best places to ski. One of my favorites out in Colorado. And it talked about how, you know, for a bit, they were on the Epic pass. And then back in 2019, they <coughs> ended up scrapping it, going with the icon. Oh, wow. And they said in early 2020, they had 69% nice, fewer skiers than a year earlier when it was on the Epic Pass. Hmm. And they said the experience is way up. The skier days are way down. And they proudly announced it on their blog. But it was also a record year for them financially. So they are no longer a part of inexpensive passes that drive a gazillion skiers. We are focused on creating quality of experience. Quality over experience. I like that. I like that idea. Well, that's like the perfect harmony. Like, you know, to be, it's almost like it's in a way you want to have your pass to be just expensive enough that, like the, the Icon Pass is more expensive than Epic. I think the base starts at like a thousand bucks, while the Epic starts at like seven something. That's yeah. a big difference. And when you're out in Colorado, there on I seventy, it's it's financially behooves you to get the Epic Pass. Yeah, you know you got Breck and Keystone. They're they're just like right there. Then Vale. It's 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 a no brainer. But to uh, if you like, I would so pay more for less people. Every day. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a certain certain formula to that where people are willing to or not willing to pay, right? So if you're talking about like white glove service, like an elevated experience, like there's a certain threshold that people are willing to pay, or at least most people are willing to pay. And then when you go over that, there's still some people willing to pay, and those are the people. That is like the sweet spot. If you can get that or like, I will pay a little bit over and it'll eliminate a whole bunch of people that don't want to pay that much for the white glove service, the extra care, the concierge experience. Like that's kind of what you want, right? Like, so it's kind of like if you're going to an all inclusive, like paying a lot more for an experience versus getting your bottom dollar discount, you know, just getting out on the mountain. There's nothing wrong with that discount thing. Just get out on the mountain. Like, cause you want to get on the mountain. That's all you want to do. Well, it's like, you know, it's like going to like, think about like gyms, you go to planet fitness and was it 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. You will, it's going to be crowded and you should expect it to be crowded. And there's going to be a weight on a lot of stuff because again, it is cheaper. But if you're going to like a lifetime fitness and spending 150, 200 bucks, you should be having, uh, I don't know if white glove is the right term, but you should have a uh, an enhanced experience where better equipment, less wait time, more bells and whistles. Yeah, it's the difference between going to Planet Fitness and wanting the white glove experience versus going to Lifetime Fitness and being like, this is bullshit. I didn't get the, the white glove experience. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you have to, you have to realize that what you're paying, like what you're going to knowing what you have expectations that are realistic for what you're paying for. Right. 
You know, like you get, you can't. Sometimes you find those magical gems where you're like, nobody knows about this. This is great. It can happen. And like talking about a basin, like I would classify that as a gem now that it's off the Epic pass. Like that place is just, it's got, and the thing is where it is on the, uh, I mean, it's pretty much on the continental divide Mm. and it's on the windy, you know, the windy road there. I think it's route six. And there's only two parking lots, two and a half parking lots there. And if there's no parking, you're SOL. So I think we should put a call to action for our listeners. Send us information on where you believe the best gems in the nation or in the world are. Like for what you expect versus what you get are just amazing experiences. Best bang for your buck ski resorts. Yeah, like just uh, the whole kind of the whole enchilada. Like we're going to talk on our main segment about stuff that I'm like, you know, I'm setting stuff up to to do some cool stuff that is like a little bit elevated. Like that's what I want. Just saying. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you. And then the article goes on to talk about um, Taos, how Taos, New know, Mexico. It, yeah, it said by 2014 it was a faded jewel, lost 40 percent of its skiers from its heyday in the 90s, and then a conservationist, Louis Bacon bought the ski area in 2014 and tried to you know focus on sustainability which we talked about a couple episodes ago how they are trying to be carbon neutral and they're uh they're a b corp now and they are the second ski area to become carbon neutral beating its original 2030 target by eight years so it just talks about how like they again having a different vision for how they want to handle the area and so they even mm. talked to, um, you know, local indigenous members there and they were, you know, pretty happy how they've been actually talking, you know, walking the walk after talking the talk. Yeah. And then, you know, again, talked about um, diversifying the slopes, how, you know, they talk about this, uh, this uh, black woman out of Memphis who moved to Seattle and tried skiing. And she was like, I love the, the term. She's like, she went with some friends from Seattle to go skiing. She's like, it was magical. She's like, I felt like I was transported to a scene out of Narnia. <laughs> so talk about her and then the different, the, the national brotherhood of skiers and just a couple of different, um, different ski groups that, you know, cater to underserved communities. And then one more section of this article, it talked about reclaiming community and it's talking about, uh, New Hampshire and how they have this granite backcountry Alliance, which is just a group of like network, you know, network uh, community of glade skiers that sets up festivals, backcountry outings, parties, movie nights. If anybody from the granite country Alliance is listening, let me know. Cause I'll be going up to New Hampshire in January and February. Look at you. I'm writing it down in magic. Marker yeah, right talking now. about what they're doing. They've, you know, the Granite Backcountry Alliance develop, um, formed in 2016 to develop a network of ski glades in New Hampshire and Western Maine. So they're uh, they're trying to break down the barriers to get involved with skiing and making it free and public, which is pretty awesome. That's There's a lot awesome. of rural communities. They said they have 10,000 skiers visiting the Granite Backcountry's ski zones each winter supporting 16 full-time jobs and generating nearly a million dollars in local sales activity 
Damn. Pretty awesome. So a lot of cool different things going on. Uh, the article written by David Goodman, who also has an uh, the author of a book called Best Backcountry Skiing in the Northeast and host of the Vermont Conversation, a public affairs podcast and radio program. Wow. So, cool article. And we will post that in the show notes. So you guys should check that out if you want more info. Oh, yeah. And that wraps up the ski news. And as we have both alluded to, it's time for the main topic. And we have some plans. We got plans. We got plans. A, a lot of plans. It's been a rough start for the Northeast here. You know, we're going to talk about it again. So get your drink. You know, we had the Snowbound Festival a couple weekends ago. And that was probably the best, the best ski weekend in the Northeast because it was it was cold. And it was magical a lot of places were opening that we were around ski people and we're talking skiing. It was it was a lot of fun. I got to say. I would love to do that every every week. That should be our thing. Try to make that happen. Make that our full time gig. I want to do all. What do they have? They have three, maybe four events this year. Next year, they're probably going to have like five or six. I want to do all six of them. We are not exclusive to them, though. We should be bouncing around to different events all over the country every weekend. We should be. We should be in Jackson Hole next weekend. The weekend after, going out to Taos, maybe at the Whitefish. Like that should be our thing. Well, if you have an event, we'll MC anything. That'd we be can, cool. can, if you got a Elk Jackson Hall, put us up in a hotel. We'll hang out. We'll MC. But if you got an Elk Club meeting, you want MC'd. We can do that too. Oh, uh, we can make things fun. If we you want someone to off. shovel your driveway, we will do that too. We'll do <laughs> a lot of great. stuff. Pay us enough money. We'll do anything. Maybe. We'll, uh, we'll do some stuff. 20 I'm bucks sure is 20 bucks. That's what I'm saying. That's the shirt. That's Amen, going brother. We will do some stuff. <laughs> anyway, regardless. So, Mario, you've got a big trip coming up. And this is a trip that you guys have been trying to make happen for the last couple of years. Yeah. So I love my, you know, make it happen, like struggle trip where you're in a car or whatever. Like I'm I'm fine with that because there's something magical when you do a trip on a on I've done trips on shoestring budgets because I haven't had money like in my life. And I tell you, there's something magical to that. Like, and then you start working and you're like, is my car going to make it up this hill? Yeah, that's right. Your chains on your Ultima, get up that hill, up Gay Lane, the old dirt road. Dude, I remember, oh, I remember being in Buffalo in a, what the fuck was it? It was a Buick LeSabre fucking old Buick LeSabre front wheel drive. And I'm driving in a snowstorm to go up to um, holiday Valley to go skiing. And it was just at the time I was like, I could drive in the snow, whatever. It's like a foot of snow falling. I'm like sliding around a little. I'm like, I don't care. Now I slide a little. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's just different. <laughs> like you change as you get older. And um, what remember, year was the LeSabre? That Oh, they, I don't know if they still make it, but that was like a, it was probably like an 85 of Sabre at least. They, oh, that was, you know, the golden age of GMs. Obviously. Oh yeah. It was probably an 82 and I was driving it about 89 and nice. it was just like, just, I remember getting stuck. Oh, that's another story. So oh, it was another ski day. I was like, Oh my God, it's, it snowed. Let's go skiing. So my buddies and I, let's go like whatever. And we're like, okay, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna shovel anything, we're gonna shovel everything in the morning, whatever. So we shovel out, of course, like three feet of snow fell, it's buffalo. And we dug out the the car 
And then we're tired. I'm like, I'm going to go get my ski crap and whatever. And we come out and the plow came and there's another foot of freaking snow. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so we go, we dig it out again. And then we start going and we, we start getting stuck. And I'm like, fuck. So we're trying to get out. I'm like, I think I could get over it if I just go fast enough. So push us back. And then, so we're trying to push back and then go over this little hump or whatever. Full also, seven. the car runs out of gas. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't have any gas in the car. <laughs> so I'm like trying to siphon out from my roommate's car <laughs> manually. And we have a hose and we're just putting it down. And we're just, and all we're getting is fumes. We're not getting any gas, just fumes. And I'm hot as fuck right now. I'm like basically huffing. Huffing gas. I'm like, this is the worst idea in the world. So we freaking finally, we somebody, I don't know, does it, whatever. We siphon out some gas and we put it into the car. We're like, all right, let's go. So we fill up and then we're driving down the road. Fucking plows are going by. We're trying to pass plows. It was a bad idea. Like, I'm surprised I'm still alive. And then you get up to the mountain and you go skiing and it's magical for the day. Right. And you forget all that crazy shit that you went through. <laughs> probably like the 10 times we almost died drank a gallon of gas <laughs> drank a gallon of gas. and then i'm driving after i'm probably huffing high as fuck like i don't know like i probably was inebriated to the point of and i didn't even have any alcohol i just had like fumes um <laughs> just bad and i look now back and i'm like wow number one i don't know how i'm alive and number two like i don't know how we got there like but Talk about the irony of like, oh, we just shoveled ourselves out. Then we're stuck. Then we're stuck again. Then we fucking car runs out. Like, I'm like, life is telling us not to go skiing. And we still went skiing anyway. And we had the best day. Just saying. Yeah. So. But now fancy Mario. I'm used to those ski trips. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Magical gems. So then you get a little money. You get a little status in the world. And you're like, hey, you know what? I like the idea of the all-inclusive and the cruise and the skiing. So why can't we combine them all? Right. So when I did club med for the first time with Harry, our buddy, Harry, through the Tampa ski club, we did um, club med in um, San Maritz. And I was like, club med, this is going to be ghetto. Same shitty. guy siphoning gas into his beautiful <laughs> saber is now a club med in San Moritz. Club med. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I thought club med was out of business. So I'm thinking I'm going to show up. It's going to be some ghetto shit. It's going to be horrible. But hello, my friend. Welcome, my friend. I have to go speak, I, my friend. But when I looked at it, so Harry and I are doing the rationalization. I'm like, okay, if the food sucks, I'll go out and get food. But if the alcohol is good we're going to make our money back in the alcohol, right? And the lift tickets are included. So I'm like, lift tickets included, alcohol included, <laughs> lodging, transportation. I'm like, it all adds up to like a break even. So then we get there and it's like, the food was pretty good. The place was pretty nice. And I'm like, wow, I guess Kilmed didn't go out of business. So from then on, I'm like, if, if you like the idea of a cruise or an all-inclusive and you like skiing, I really think you, and I, I hate saying it because they really should be sponsoring us, but that's a pretty sweet deal. I worked it out. I ha- I actually made money on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> so I did uh, Pragelato, Italy, 
which is right next to Sistier, um, in the Italian Alps with my wife. And that was the first, I think the first ski trip. Now, second ski trip. We did uh, Vermont. We did um, Killington and... No, we just did Killington, but we did Burlington and we just drove around and had a fun-ass time. Fucking love Vermont. Um, aside from Bernie, I love Vermont. <laughs> um, I do like Bernie, though. Um, <laughs> just to hang out with. He's got good weed all the time. Um, <laughs> true, true story. <laughs> true story. Uh but yeah, I, I did Project Auto with my wife, and I tell you, it's freaking awesome. Um, how I had a great time. And then since then, like the year after, then COVID hit. Like that was COVID year, then COVID hit. And we're like, well, why can't we travel there and go skiing? And I'm like, oh, the country's closed to you. And I'm like, what do you mean the country's closed? We're Americans. Everything's to open to us. You know who I am? Do you know who we are? Um, and then you bring a little weed into Russia, and then, you know, you get out and like, 90 days because you're famous. So, you know, just saying, um, but, uh, we, uh, we did Italy and it was, it was freaking great. We did, you don't realize where these places are. And then you start looking at like, what are we going to do on our rest day? Cause I always take a rest day midweek just to, you know, give the legs a recharge, look at the area. I got to see the area. Like I can't go all the way to Europe and not see the whole area. So of course you start doing a little research on the internet Love the fact that everything's online and magically what is two hours away? Barolo. You know what they make in Barolo? Some of the best wine in the world. Mm. You know what we did? Drink some of the best wine in the world for pretty cheap because we're in Italy and they, they're they just like, it's like water to them. It's crazy. So we had a great time. So I did Val Torrens with the Hoboken Ski Club, which they run some great trips, I got to say. And they're doing... They're doing Miraval this year. So if anybody doesn't know, Val Torrens is part of three valleys, Les Trois Valleys, or Les Trois Valleys, whatever, however they say it in French, the French style. Um, but it's uh, Val Torrens, Miraval, and Courcheval. And it's great because you're skiing up and into one and into the other. And then you come back and you make sure you end up where you need to be so you can get to your hotel, um, and which is about, I think, three hours south of Chamonix. Oh, wow. okay. um, yeah. So it's all that area. Like there's Chamonix, Val Torrens. I think Val d'Azer is not too far. Um, but they have a club med in Val Torrens. So I'm like, I want to redo the trip with my wife. Cause when I went with my buddy, Harry, our buddy, Harry, um, it was just us dudes hanging out with a big ski club and it was fun. But now I got my wife that wants to ski. And I'm like, I want to show you what real, Après ski is like so it's going to be skiing après ski skiing après ski e skiing that that's the regimen every day. You've been to Valtorens before, yes. With that was ski. Tampa Ski Club, right? You said uh, Hoboken. That was Hoboken. Okay, that was with Harry, and it was Did a you great guys, trip. Didn't you guys go like just after like Michael Schumacher had his accident? Yes, because that I was did. Mirabelle, right? Yes. And I like remember you, said, you texting me while I'm there. And I'm like, I don't know. They didn't have anything marked. <laughs> yeah. Not to go on it. Yeah, that was that was horrible. Yeah. But that was a great trip. So I got to say, it was... So 
So when you go there, do you actually go to the the all three valleys? Like, how does that lift ticket work? So lift ticket is so there's two different flavors of lift ticket. You can either do the one mountain or the all mountain, and we did the all mountain. And I got to say, if you do Val Torrens, you are skiing into Miraval um, almost every day because there's good terrain in Miraval, and you just jump right in, like first lift, and boom, you're right into Miraval. Um, and I got to say, most of the skiing I did was Miraval. It was really good. Valtorens was cool, um, but more, I don't know, just different. The terrain in Miraval was pretty chill. Uh, Courcheval was nice, but we didn't spend a lot of time because the fear was it took probably about almost an hour and a half, two hours to get over there, and then an hour and a half, two hours back. So you got to make mm-hmm. sure you do it in time or you get stuck. And then okay. you're overnighting somewhere and whatever. And now at this stage of my life, I'm like, that's not the worst thing in the world. I'll just <laughs> spend some time, just check in, just travel your your passport and you're good. You know, how does that work in terms of, you know, like, is there anything you can compare it to in North America? <sighs> you know, we didn't do it when we were there, but. I'm wondering if it's the, what is it? The snowboard to Alta, the Alta to where you ski in and ski out kind of thing. Yeah. But that's um, like right there. Yeah. There's like I, a gate. You just go through the gate and you're like, oh, I'm here. All right, cool. I'm back in snowboard. It's kind of the same thing with, um, uh, Val Torrance and Miraval. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you're skiing hmm, and you're like, okay. Oh, we're in Miraval right now. Like it's just kind of, you're there. Like you, you took a lift okay. up and then you ski the one way and, Oh, now, wow, wow, we're in the other area. Make sure we hit this list and get past this point so we can get back into Valterens, you know? Okay. Um, but Valterens, the thing about that is so Courchevel is very, very high end and chic, right? So I've been to Cortina, Italy, and Cortina, Italy is one of those like Vale like places where, or Aspen like places where this is everybody. Like I saw when I was in Cortina, I had texted you. It was, I saw a few, uh, what you call it? Um, Lamborghinis there. <laughs> and I'm like Lamborghini in snow. I'm like, but they are four wheel drive. They're all wheel drive. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of like, I get it. But, uh, it was one of those places like people go out like at five o'clock after dinner, six o'clock, whatever with the furs on Like the women put on the fur and the men are like, walking around there and they walk around, they look at all the shops. That's what they do. They do the walk and Mm -hmm. it's kind of a cultural thing. It's pretty cool to be part of it. If you're there at like one in the afternoon, everything's closed. They close for lunch. So you got to kind of learn that. Um, But that's kind of Korshavel. Korshavel's upscale, shishi, but there's also some very steep in Korshavel, which are supposed to be pretty cool. Um, Miraval is a really cute little town. Uh, has really great terrain, but it's like it's a mixed terrain. And then Val Torrens has like a really good party scene and then decent terrain. Like it's kind of, you know, it was all right terrain. I got to say, Miraval was better and Courcheval we didn't explore as much, but we were in Miraval the whole time. So, okay. Nice. Um, the other thing about Val Torrens is. <laughs> You hear my wife yelling at Starling. We're getting yelled at. Oh, yeah. He's barking at the TV. <laughs> There's a damn dog on the TV, and he's saying hello. <laughs> um, Let me holla at you. Holla, holla, holla. Holla, holla. Yo, yo, girl. <laughs> holla. But Val Torrens, I got to say, uh, they have, so they have a Falle Deuce. 
So if you've ever been, Val de Serre is the big Folly Deuce. Oh, yes. And then Val, uh, so Val, Val de Serre has the big Folly Deuce. Val Terenz has the smaller Folly Deuce, but it's kind of similar. And I got to say, it was a party on the Mid-Mountain. Courcheval uh, has one too, apparently. Yeah, but the one in Val Terenz was, I got to say, I had the best party day ever in my life. Ever. Like ever. I've been in New York City raves, the whole thing. Never been to a party like this. And it was on the mountain, in the snow, everybody happy, chill, great music. And it was it was like EDM music, but performed live. And it was amazing. And all they serve there is rose wine and champagne. That's it. You want a beer? Go fuck yourself. You want to make sure you're too yourself. fancy. That's it. Don't get white claw. We're, we're very fancy. No, we, we don't, we don't dip down to white claw. We don't dip down to beer. No white claw. Rosé wine and champagne. That's it. Do you want to buy a glass or a bottle? That's it. They sell it by the glass and bottle. That's it. So you buy a bottle and if you don't want to drink it, you share it with people. Just share it with friends and everybody's dancing on the tabletops. And, and that's another thing. So we're going with other friends from Florida. So Florida two, goes to France. Yeah, that's right. So our two friends, I think France. The, Florida. I think the one girl skied a little, but she's not not a cold weather or skier person. And our other friend, he's like a big water skier that actually skis. So he's like a like champion level water skier. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but that doesn't necessarily translate. But he's like, <laughs> oh, he skied a bunch too. So I'm like. Okay, that's cool. He's a Texas guy. So he's like, he's skied a lot and done a lot of stuff. So I'm like, whatever. We're going to go out and we'll show you what the shit's like. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, let's go backcountry. I'm like, all oh, setting stuff up. I'm like, I got to tone things down. <laughs> but the good thing about the club, club med, like, so here's the thing I hate promoting it because they don't, they don't sponsor us and they got us, they got to sponsor us because. Anyway, you got to work that um, angle when you're there. I, I've tried. They just don't respond. I think they're Chinese owned. That's why they're like, ah, oh fuck boy. you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when you go there, you get six day lift ticket. You get five days lesson or guide. And if you're at the top level, you're just like, nobody's giving a lesson. Just guide me around. Like, are we going backcountry today? They give you all the AV gear. If you're going here, they just take you around and they say, go here, go there. Let's go. We'll meet you down at the bottom. Like, it's great. So I like that. And then my wife goes, she's in a, she's kind of an intermediate. So she goes with that group and she likes the lessons and she likes being with a group. She has a great day all day. And then we meet up at dinner and talk about our day. It's really magical. I got to say, it's pretty cool. Nice. So. Very cool. <laughs> my wife's yelling at the dog. Yelling at the dog. She's looking forward to a week without the dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, we miss the little doggy. He's such a little asshole though sometimes. Yeah, that's what they do. He's a dog, you know? So how about I, you, Bo? My season, so I've made a decision. I've, you know, I've, I, I live where I live for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but I do. And instead of complaining about being too far from skiing, I've, I made a decision a couple weeks ago to just buy a season pass for the a local place that I 
think is best for my needs at the moment, which is getting my kids to fall in love with skiing. What's the name of that place? So I decided to choose Bear Creek Mountain Resort Boom. in McCungee, Pennsylvania. As McCungee? McCungee. It's like near the I had downtown. a buddy that lived in McCungee for yeah. a little while. It's funny. I dated a girl who went to Cutstown. And uh, we joked because, you know, the, there's like upper McCungee. And she's like, it sounds kind of like an STD. Like I have like an upper McCungee infection. <laughs> she was a fun girl. You know what's in McCungee is Bicycle Magazine's home office is there. And I've done a ride out of McCungee. They have it in about November every year. Bike Magazine. And they have, a, um, what do they call it? A, a velodrome. And it's oh, basically... Really? The slanted thing where you race on the banked angle, yeah, the banked uh, track. Yeah, so you actually do the ride, and you end up in there, and you can ride that thing as much as you want. And you're riding that thing, and you're like, I think my pedals are going to hit because it's <laughs> such a, a a steep thing. Oh, for sure. It's a, yeah. little, it's a little scary. Like, wow, this is where everybody races. It's it's pretty cool. They do a big USA um, biking thing. Like, it's it's a pretty cool place. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So I, uh, I had never been there until since until February of this year, earlier this season. Nice. And a big shout out to, uh, our boy, Rob. He, uh, he recommended it. He was doing a pass there every year. And I was like, I got to take Benjamin here. And you know, for, are we doing a trip there? I think we, well, we talked, we, we, well, some discussions, we some discussions have happened. All uh, right. Nothing's in stone, but dude, I'll fly up for that. We'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes down. I'll jump on a flight. We're going. <laughs> so there's a lot of places that are uh, about two hours from me. And it's, you know, Poconos, Mountain Creek. And if I love you, them. If so. you were listening to the last episode and you heard our smasher pass with our pals, the Albas, you know my, <laughs> you could tell my thoughts from about Mountain Creek. So I decided this was the spot to go to. It doesn't have the highest vertical. It's it's going to serve, like I said, the purpose that I need it for. So, Dude, I know a son, lot of people that don't have the highest vertical. It still works. My son is five. My daughter is two. Aww. They both have their skis and boots. And God, that's precious. I want to go as much as I can with them this season. So I needed to find a spot that was drivable. And I looked on the maps, too, because a lot of other spots, if I was in the Pocono area, it's... You know, there's definitely like hotels and things, but within like 20 minutes of this place, I guess there's a big hotel right there. It's beautiful. It's really expensive on the weekends, but it's really nice. It's like a whole conference center resort thing. Nice. So I'm even like trying to like plan out days where, okay, we'll take off Monday, Tuesday, take them out of school. We'll ski a couple days. Yeah. On the weekends, when you go back to the main highway, there's like like Dorney Park, like the big water park is there, and there's Dorney like all park? these there's like yeah. hotels and restaurants and stuff. So I'm planning in my head to do like a bunch of like you know we'll go out there Saturday morning, we'll ski, we'll go stay at a hotel, then we'll ski Sunday. You know because again it's nice. I could drive and do day trips, but if we did a night somewhere like that would be a lot easier and get a lot more skiing and and less driving. It's a lot cool for the kids, right? They're like. Oh, we're staying over and, and there's like pools, sleep. indoor pools, yeah. the hotels, so they can do that. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make everybody pools, right? happy. 
this is this is the problem right now is that I'm trying to make everybody happy. And on the list of making people happy, I am at the bottom in terms of priority. I'm here making you happy. Let's go ski somewhere. Bring the yes. kids. Bring well, the, the no, no, family. this is the thing is that I have to be at the bottom of the priority list because this is my role right now. At I this age, they my have good, good happiness means exactly. nothing to anybody. Nobody cares. This is what it's called being a goddamn man, being a goddamn dad. Is your happiness is just it's just flushed down the toilet. No one gives a fuck about your happiness. But you're paying it forward because when you go on a trip. Oh, I'm literally paying it at the moment, too. <laughs> but when you go on a trip in the future, the idea is your kids love it. And then you get to go on a nice ski trip with the kids. This is that's that's exactly the way I'm I'm trying to right? do the grunt work. It's like in the spring. You know, you want to hang out. You want to go frolic through whatever. But you know what? You got to get the ground ready. You got to plant the seeds. You got to start growing and cultivating and harvesting. And eventually, you get to reap the rewards. Nice. But it's not you. It's not the, I, I want it now. I'm going to get it now. It's you got to put the time in so that down the road, you get the big payoff. So that's A lot what of I'm people don't now. realize that this day. If you're Planting under the goddamn 25, seeds. you don't realize anything like that. Let me tell you. So I was at Shawnee with my son last year and we did a, we did, he did a lesson. I kind of just skied for a bit and then we got together and I played with him on the bunny hill. We went to the other hill and it was one of the coolest comments I got was, I think I said this already before is we were on the hill and I have him on the leash we're on the bunny hill and a bunch of kids, they're probably like, you know, teenagers, early twenties, whatever. And they saw me with him and he's, you know, four at the time. No. And they were just like, oh, I heard them like, like, oh man, I wish my parents got me See? on at that age. Awesome. And again, like that, like hearing that is like that fuel for me. Like just being like the things, like those times that we're going to have now, like this is planting the seeds for him. Because in my delusional mind, I'm creating like a, like a Bodhi, like a Michaela. And like, I want to be like that dad. Like, oh, look, there's, you know, Benjamin's dad in the crowd with his camera Aww. taking pictures and giving him high fives. And up, he had a couple drinks. Look, he's being a little bit silly. Like, I want to be that dad. Like, I want to be the, you know, put the time in now. You still so. want to be the dad that's like, oh, my kid's cute, right? You want to buy some weed? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Hold on a second. That's not yeah. it. You don't want to be too weird, but you want to be like, you know, like you yeah. want to get give them that love and, and get that excitement in them. And, and they also, too, you'll force the wife to go, okay, we have to move to, you know, Colorado now. Boom. Boom. Which my is kid, really the The kids end love game. it. The kids love it. They don't want to be here. They want to go out. To this is where I finally get to like Kaiser Sose my happiness. Like right now I'm at the bottom of the pile, but I'm going to Kaiser Sose and be like, ah, oh, we move. See, I win. Like he has to move here because he needs to get better and ski more often. Like Kaiser Sose. Dude, you should gotta be like, uh, I'm I'm changing my career. I'm gonna be a lumberjack and whitefish. That's it. Dude, I'm seriously the way things are going, like I may yeah. just have to like I'll be a snowcat driver. Like I don't know if I can tolerate Dude, you probably girls. make a lot of money being a snowcat driver. What's the average? Um like 20 bucks an hour. That's right. That's cool. I just gotta hold out for Bitcoin. Weed. Hold out for Bitcoin. <laughs> just put it into Bitcoin. You you know, you do oh, I'm thinking, what if I did like a video podcast from the snowcat? Fuck yeah. What if I have just that going? If I could just like talk to myself, like I'm, I'll put the camera on. I'll just take a bunch of coffee. I'll just like spew my thoughts and it could be like, Oh, it's the snowcap Brian Chronicles. Snowcap Brian. Yeah. Oh. SCB. Stuck. <laughs> hey, it's SCB. He's like, what's up, brother? 
I said, me, what's up, brother? Got to get you down here. Got to get you to meet Hulk. Like your best friends. You guys are like bros. That's right. I I hang out with Hulk every week. Both sit there at the uh, the Costco pharmacy waiting for your uh, prescriptions to be ready. That's what happens, man. You start you start banging around. That's what happens. Oxycontin, brother. I need this. I'm like Hulk, man. I got my medical card. You just go to the dispensary. Like, all right, brother, let's go. <laughs> Mario and Hulk. That picture, you guys, is hilarious. I love that. <laughs> it's like best friends. It's like the uh, the shack commercial. <laughs> I'll say more like stepbrothers. Stepbrothers, just hanging out, just right. chilling. Bros being bros. Going to work today? No, Hulk's coming over. Need Hulk. We're gonna hang. Oh, it's like the fuck. You you sit around all day? Yeah, I am. Play, we're gonna play some shell. That's right. <laughs> Funny job. Got my controller. Just ready. Nope. <laughs> Playing some shell. With the Hulk. <laughs> well, so yeah. So those are our plans intermediately, and um, we have. We have to we have to like pinky swear right now that we are gonna ski together at some point this year because the last couple of years have been whack ass booty nonsense. Yeah, I'm thinking about like I tell you what, the COVID thing had me in a swirl. Like it fucked me up. Fucked yeah. me up bad. I'm like, I don't know, travel and everything and it's just weird. So we gotta uh, so let me know. Cause we got because people are asking too. People want to know when we're going to be in the Northeast because in New Hampshire or Vermont, because we got to reach out to our people and get out there on the slopes together because people are asking and we need to make it happen. We got to plan. So I'm going to be up in New Hampshire. Let me stay. know when you're going to be in New Hampshire and we will work around that schedule. I'm thinking end of January. End of January, beginning of February. Okay. That might work. I'm going to make sure my car is still in working order by then. <laughs> we'll, f- we'll figure it out. You'd Uber, Uber there. Just like a nice six hour Uber ride. What we do is we invite Steve. Steve has a company car. Steve picks you up and then you whisk you up there and we hang out. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Why, why are you thinking about this? Don't think too much into it. Um, Hold on, you, just, you just gotta, you gotta pick days. Just be like, we're going, I'm going to be up here. And just I got to pick days. Cause it, it's really, it slips away very quickly. I'm like, Oh, I should be able to go. And I'm like, yeah, and then it's work. April. And you're like, Oh fuck. I missed it. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm already in December. I'm like, I had no clue that like Christmas was like two weeks. Ago. I'm like Scrooge. I'm like, everybody, why are you taking off? Like what the fuck's going on? I'm like, you know, it's Christmas. Mr. Monter. I'm like, Oh yeah. Dude, I'm going stalling next week. Are you? Oh yeah. I'm gonna post Dude, pictures. You gotta, are you gonna wear the jumpsuit and then go strollinging? Dude, I gotta wear my like sweatpants when I go strollinging because I'm just gonna. So I have an ugly Christmas sweater that has like the little. It's like Santa holding the package, and mm-hmm. the package you could put a beer in. Nice. You put a stolen right in there. There you go. That could be your ugly I'm actually, Christmas stolen sweater. I have my the picture from last year. I bought four stolens from Market Boom. Basket last year. Boom. And I don't know. And the crazy thing is, I was looking at how much it cost last year. You should year. wear them as a belt. Just put them as a belt around you because that's where it's going to go. So you just put them, wear them as a belt. And then as you eat them, they become the belt. Right? So art transforming. Yeah, I'm trying to find the receipt. So last year, the stones were $25.95 each. And I bought Damn. four of them. I had over $100 in stolens. Now, Damn. interesting fact. 
I you're investing. Up. You're going big. Blue Horseshoe is going big. <laughs> Dude, I have scoured New Jersey for the best stolens, and Damn. Market Basket in Franklin Lakes has the best ones right now. So my wife was, she's looking because um, I got to say all the carries mean stolen. It's a that's, pay, that, that's amateur hour stolen. Come amateur on. Amateur hour. Come but on. Like, Mario, this is the only stolen we can get. So she's like planning to get me stolen. I'm like, I don't want you to get me stolen because I'm going to eat that thing like crazy. And I'm going to gain like a lot of fucking weight. Like I'm going to have to like, I'm going to actually have to run. Didn't I walk stop, right now. That's it. Didn't we stop during ski bum week at Aldi in, in Rutland? Yeah. Get like two or three stolens. And then they had the stolen, like the little, is basically stolen in like a little fancy little, almost like a little chocolate tin where you like take different types of stolen. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but we got it. And I was like, just give me the loaf. I just want to cut the loaf. And Why has no one stolen. done a stolen milkshake? <sighs> that, that would be in Germany. Do they have a stolen milkshake? pretty sure mixed um, there's got to be like a starbucks or something that says like a stolen milkshake in germany how about this we go to oktoberfest next year we set up a stand stolen milkshake stolen shake steak i take the, take the eggnog and just steak some, shack not steak get some sto- get an eggnog throw some bits of stolen in there blend it up yeah, not something. Shake Shack, but Steak Shack. Stole it's stolen Shake Shack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, it's coming up. We're getting ready. We're getting fired October up. October 1st next year. Are you in or out? I'm out. Totally out. Fuck. No way in hell. Dude, I can't. I can barely do anything. I'm not going to Oktoberfest. One day, 22 hours, can't and then it. right back in. Nope. Can't even do it. Can't even I'll buy you a ticket. I'll get you a ticket. Dude, That's. it's also <laughs> right around my wife's birthday. There's just there's my my daughter's birthday, birthday. my wife's birthday. I can't. Happy even, birthday, honey! You know what I got you? A trip to Oktoberfest. I got you. You can deal with these monster children for a whole weekend yourself. Dude, you do the yeah. same thing with like Monster Truck Jam. I got you tickets to Monster Truck Jam. Congratulations! Yeah. Fuck you, Brian. You wanted this? Yeah, but it's for you. I'm doing this for you guys. Like buying a vacuum for your wife for Christmas, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's like a vacuum. I got you a Roomba, so you don't have to do it. See? Dude, I got a Roomba for myself because nobody in this fucking place vacuums. I'm mm-hmm. the dude that does the floor. They make the Puerto Rican do the floors. <laughs> God damn racist. Fucking dog looks at me like, when are you going to do the floor, man? <laughs> I'm like, that Roomba's going to vacuum. I'll, I'll, I'll mop, but I'm not happy about it. Brutal. That's our plans. We got some big plans. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have fun. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to keep talking about it. And if you guys have any recommendations or places we should definitely go, hit us up. We'd love to hear oh. more. Keep on podcast at gmail.com. That wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibonpodcast.com. Go to the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, untapped. We'll call YouTube social. Ask Ski Bump Podcast. It's all social. There's still shopping to do. You got a couple days left. You can still shop on the site. Get it before Christmas. SkiBumpPodcast.com slash shop. Patreon. Help us out. Hook us up. Patreon. We need, we need Christmas gifts too. Slash like help us out. Ski Bump right. Podcast. Anything else? That's pretty much everything. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. 
Det har jeg sat for rundt. Lige